0: Now let's get to work. Good morning and welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today is a roundup episode, different from our typical guest episodes in that I rounded up some advice from my favorite guests of the year. Well, not my favorite. I really liked all of them and had some great conversations, but these are some of the most important lessons, my aha moments, and I wanted to bring your attention to some conversations that I walked away from just feeling really inspired. All right, here we go. So the first person I want to spotlight is Chris Harder, episode 200. He talks about figuring out what's really important through failure and the perspective and choice that failure provides when it does happen. Let's talk about failure. Yeah. You and Lori have a very interesting story, and I know you've had huge wins and also some big challenges and losses, uh, like you've made money, you've gone broke, you've pivoted strategies. One of the things that I admire about you is that you speak so openly about it. And most people don't, right? Most people are like, look at me, look at, you know, the." when we were talking before this, you're like, okay, this part looks really cool of my Mm -hmm. life, but Mm -hmm. it has these challenges. Yep. If there were such a thing as your best failure story, which like, I think we can have these good stories after the fact, tell me the story.
1: I mean, it's got to be in 08, 09 when we lost everything and had to start over again financially. And that's just like a slice of the pie in the pie of failure during that time. You know, Lori had, maybe she had an inkling that... Things were getting tight financially, but she didn't know because I ran the finances back then. So I had to break the news to her. You know, hey, babe, I lost my job today and we got to short sell this house and get rid of the cars and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was one of the worst messages to ever have to to give to your significant other. You don't know how they're going to react. And then to have to face your neighbors as you short sell your house and your friends and everything else. Um, you know, back then I put so much importance on what was my job title? What was my next promotion? How many people did I have on my team? What did Mm -hmm. that look like on the, you know, outside looking in type of a thing. And uh, when you go through a big failure like that, it kind of strips you of all those things that you you thought were important. And it gives you a chance to choose again. I mean, when you have nowhere to go, but up, you really have an advantage. And that advantage is you get to choose how you want to show up. You get to choose how you want to add value in the world. You get to choose uh, what's going to be important to you, right, going forward. And um, if you make those choices right during that time of failure, then that failure is nothing more than a springboard into a life that you kind of wished you had built, but didn't get a chance to uh, without that reset.
0: Next up is Jenny Whedon, who is the new president and shareholder at Accelity, my marketing agency. Congratulations, Jenny. This is episode 191, where she talks about separating yourself from the feedback that you're receiving And understanding that when hard things happen and when you get hard feedback, it's not often about you personally. We also discuss some topics that are kind of near and dear to our heart that we discuss a lot within my marketing agency, intention versus perception and us versus the problem. In the last few years, I think that you have become the master of not taking it personally where previously you did take some things personally, you know, I mean, you and I both know that and we both did it. We were like, Oh oh my God, is this about us? Do they hate us? And which is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. What is your best advice for someone that is looking to kind of separate their own personal feelings from, from the feedback or from the business environment?
2: Yeah. I think there's always power in the pause. Like taking the breath mm-hmm. to really hear what's being said because when I was a I was a comm arts major so I studied a lot about communication and when communication leaves someone's mouth it becomes interpreted by someone else and it becomes what they think it is. So I I think I've always been pretty self-aware and then thinking through okay, this is what they said to me. Like, what does that mean? And can I take a pause to think on that? So there are times when people will tell me something, and I'll kind of nod and be thinking. And that's like the power of the pause, right? Like I had a break to not have to immediately respond right away. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I didn't have to take it personally, because it's not um, it's just not that personal, you know, uh, and then I get to I think the next next part is asking questions like I have learned from Rebecca or the business coach for Excelity, your business coach mm-hmm. so much about asking incredible questions. And like I now not that we're talking about me giving feedback, but I now feel like I can ask the right questions to get someone to the answer so that mm-hmm. I don't even have to give as much feedback because they've given themselves their own words in in feedback but like asking a really strong question to understand the meaning mm-hmm. behind something is super important to really sort of also show someone that you're partnering with them and the feedback like we've talked a lot personally about like us versus the problem yeah. I really take that mindset of like this is the issue again it's not about Me personally, it's about the problem that's happening and how I am contributing to it, and how others may be. And like that's an opportunity to solve problems.
0: Next up is my friend Marcus Murphy, who appeared in episode 171. He talks about how to build a network that you serve and that also serves you. And he's a great person to talk about it because he has built the most incredible network and built multiple businesses in the last few years by leveraging it. You have so many freaking connections and you connected me to a lot of people. So not only do you have connections, but you're a great connector. Mm. I know that having those valuable connections is like fuel on the fire. It can turn into mentor relationships, coaching relationships, business deals, and other opportunities. How did you go about gaining all of the connections that you have? And what's your advice to someone who's just getting started?
3: So I'm going to give you a two-parter, but I'm going to tell a story on the second part. So the first part is I have always looked at myself as a conduit, right? Like as somebody who's more of a catalyst. So I've always thought like, okay, one, building a network is actually like trying to look out there and see people that you do want to be connected with. In fact, that shouldn't be a lot of people you should actually then think about like, well, what ways am I serving and helping them? Like, what ways can I start to figure out ways to understand their themes and like where they're going? It's actually the best thing I ever learned in sales, by the way, was that if I'm going to reach out to a prospect who is unaware of me and doesn't care about me, by the way, no one does. Just so we're really clear, no one cares about you. They care <laughs> about themselves. They And if we understand the dynamic there, we would be the best network builders on the planet. If we understand that no one gives a shit about you until they have to, until it's important. So you should be really going to talk about the one thing they love talking about the most, which is themselves, what they're doing. And in, and in that research of understanding what their themes are, that's what I call it. It's like, what are their five themes? Like, what do they really care about? Go both business and personal. Like a lot of people put everything out there on the internet, <laughs> so- good or bad, but they put it out there and I can quickly be able to go, Hey, here are the people you are really, here's your inner circle. So I know these people are really kind of like you. So I kind of get your personality and why you would surround yourself with your inner circle. Then I would go and be like, what are you sharing? What are you posting? What are you liking? I can figure all of those little things out. So I have a really good idea of who you are before I ever reach out to make a connection point And I know what you care about. So if I know those things and I'm armed with that, then I can go, okay, what's the best way to help this person with those things that they care about. And then all of a sudden you become valuable in that outreach. And so it's never about you and saying, hey, I just wanted to meet you because I, it's like, no, take I out of all that and figure out like, hey, I'm reaching out to you because this is really great that you did. In fact, have you ever thought about this? Or like, I know this other person that would really help with that. Is that something that you're interested in? Because all of a sudden now it becomes like, oh, well, that's refreshing because I can't remember the last time someone just reached out to me and said, hey, I have this resource for you. It's like, who the hell just did that? Oh, that's Marcus. Oh, he must be somebody different. And then all these great relationships I've had have kind of spurred from that.
0: Fourth is Alicia Reese, who appeared in episode 158. She talks about how to remain compassionate and be a good leader while you're making the hard decisions that you often have to make in a tough climate as a leader. Unfortunately, this episode was published in March and the advice is still very true. We talk about layoffs and how they impact the leader that is making those decisions as well. There are a lot of leaders that I think are struggling right now, especially when you go on LinkedIn, you see everyone's talking about layoffs and the hard decisions that leaders are being forced to make. And I think a lot of leaders are being asked to make just impossible decisions and communicate life-altering news to people that they like, that they, that they work with every day, that they've coached for years. Mm -hmm. What is your advice to leaders on making these decisions and like staying human, keeping that human element and continuing to like be able to like yourself during something like
4: that? Yeah. So funny enough, uh, my sister actually is an HR business partner for one of the largest employers in actually around the globe. Mm -hmm. And she also too has been expressing the same thing that you're expressing in that there has been uh, such anguish around having to release people who you genuinely like, like you like them as humans you don't want any harm to come to them. So one of the things that I always suggest for leaders to do is what's my upper limit, Right. What's the point for which I can't continue or I start to not like myself? And then put in place, I like to call them a leader alarm, put in place an alarm that you can identify as, hey, not only am I getting to this point, but this is what I'm going to do in order to bring me back to me, to get me back to homeostasis when my nervous system is completely you know, out of whack and I, I feel as though I'm drowning in my own responsibilities because humans in general, when you have to lay off, whether it's five people or 500 people, that affects you. Mm-hmm. So give yourself, okay, hey, I'll only do this amount of layoffs in this amount of time. Still, of course, acknowledging you have time frames, It's time bound that you have to get things done by, but then what are you going to do afterwards to refill your cup? Because that is exhausting, especially depending on how it's done. What are you going to do to refill your cup? And for those who you are connected to, is there something that you can put in place, or other uh, folks in your networks that you can connect them with? I saw on LinkedIn the other day uh, a person who uh, currently works at Google who was talking about the layoffs um, that they were having. What they did is they created a what they did is they created a post, and with that post, it allowed folks who had been laid off to just write what their role was. On that post, so that their network, and I think they had a network of about 50,000 connections or 50,000 followers, their network was able to go through to see hey, I might need this for my organization, or we might be missing this. So it's allowing yourself, because you still have to honor what the needs of the business are, else you have no business. Acknowledge that you are going to need additional supports, whether it's additional date nights with your partner, whether it's fun, you know, game nights with your kids, where you put your phone down or your laptop down at six o'clock or at five o'clock so that you can cut off and reconnect with your humanity. And then also provide a and it's a simple thing, a post on LinkedIn. If that's not what you want, okay, there are all types of networks that you might be connected to that can help those folks find jobs.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think making sure that you, one, treat yourself like a human and know how to take care of yourself, but treat others the same way and do everything that you can to communicate effectively and appropriately in the situation, not the like blasting out
4: emails and everything that I've been seeing people doing um, and help others where you can. Absolutely. Because we literally are all in this together. This isn't a, oh, you do you, I do me type of a, an experience, this whole life thing. This really is an interconnected system. Like we are all interconnected in on this big old rock that we're all floating around here on. So we have to acknowledge that what happens to you does happen to me because if something hurts you long enough, eventually, I'll feel it too, in one form or another,
0: last but certainly not least, I had to include this one from Ike Winter. We talked about the power of your own mind and how you can reframe the way that you think to be happier every single day. Ike also introduces a catchphrase that has become something that I think about all the time, and hopefully you will too. What's your best advice for how to turn what you're passionate about into a job? Or it could go the other way. How do you bring passion into
5: what you're doing every day? There are more opportunities to for people to turn their passions into a career. And I think you should consider it. But if you can't, at least show up to work every day and bring a sense of gratitude and optimism and a good attitude to work every day, not for your coworkers, but for you and thinking, I got to wake up today. I get to go to work. not I have to. Like, There's so many things and there's so much power, like you were talking on, and the power of optimism. Um, that those people just live such healthier lives and longer lives and more fruitful lives because you just think on the bright side of life. Um I heard a quote recently. There's two quotes that I like. There's one I invented with my buddy Timmy and we always said today could be the day. We would wake up every single day and we we're like, "Yo, today could be the day." Press 24 hours and that's it. You leave it at that. You don't know what could happen today. And that's such a beautiful thing. And somebody heard that and they said, my friend always said, what else could go right? And you're like, wow. You're like, I woke up today. What else could go right? Cause the default is like, what else could go wrong? Cause you're, you're like, oh, I got stuck in traffic. Oh, my boss got on me about this X, Y, and Z, all these things. But like, you like can totally look at life in so many scenarios in life. You're looking for the bad, but you can look for the good. Cause it's there. So if you say like, what else could go right? You'll find more blessings coming your way than you didn't realize.
0: All right. That is it for today. I hope that you enjoyed this roundup. Make sure that you go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't. So in order, the appearances were Chris Harder, episode 200, Jenny Whedon, episode 191, Marcus Murphy, episode 171, Alicia Reese, episode 158, and Ike Winter, episode 181. We are taking a short hiatus over the holidays this year. So there's not going to be an episode next Monday, 1225, or the Monday following, 1-1, both holidays for me anyway. And I will be back in January with some really awesome new guests that I have lined up, some interesting topics, and I can't wait to talk to you all then. Have a great holiday season. I hope you get some rest and please be sure to share this podcast if you are finding value. Thank you.